Hey, listeners, do you fucking love music? Because we do. And if you fucking love music, please consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash on the record music, where for just $5 a month, you can have access to our private podcast where we go in depth on albums, do extended album reviews, do impromptu shows, do live shows, legacy albums, lots of great content on the Patreon, on the private podcast, because we want to share our love of music with the entire world. Look, it's really fucking easy these days to put out a video on YouTube and say, here's why this band sucks, or here are the worst songs out today, or or this song or this album is just crap. It's all clickbait. And that's not who we are. We love music. and We love sharing music. We love talking about music. We are musicians. We are music listeners. We go to concerts. We go to festivals. And that's what we want to spread to the world. And you can help us do that. If you believe these same things that I'm talking about right now, please consider joining us on Patreon. We know you have a choice with what to do with your money. And we hope for just $5 a month, you consider supporting us so we can continue to spread this message and continue our mission of just fucking rocking. So if you would, please go to patreon.com slash on the record music and join us. Now let's get fucking rocking. Hello, hello, you are listening to On The Record Music, a music podcast where we talk all things music. In today's episode, Jesse and I are discussing our favorite concerts ever. Yeah, we picked a favorite concert ever. We also talked about the amount of shows we've seen, the shows we've seen together, how to win tickets on the radio. It's a good time. Thank you to all of the people who chimed in the conversation on Reddit We got hundreds of responses, lots of them very good. That was very pleasant. Thank you. Be sure to continue the conversation with us. You can follow us on Instagram at OnTheRecordMusic or hit us up on Twitter at OTRMPodcast. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Yeah, my buddies are texting me about uh, new pornographers on October 1st. Is that Tuesday? Yes, it is. Nice. New pornographers. Nice. Yeah. Their uh, their couple new songs sound pretty good, so I'm kind of excited. They were good when we saw them. Yeah, I forgot about that show. Yeah, wasn't that at Target Field? Yeah, yeah, that was a night when I think Nicole Chevalier was was texting me. I'm drunk. I'm like, come down <laughs> to the show, have fun. I won those tickets from the current. Oh, was that it? Yeah, I was. Nice. I was caller ten. Oh, fucking right, man. Yeah, it was the only time I'd ever won tickets. It was, I was driving in the car and it was like, what did they call it? The Skyline Music Festival? They only did it like one or two years. Yeah. And I was in the car and it was like, this coming Saturday or whatever day it was, it was like, we've got two tickets to the Skyline Music Festival for caller number 10. And I grabbed my phone and I was like, fuck it. And I called and then it was like, (laughs) I think it was Mark Wheat. And I I think it was Mark Wheat. And he answers the phone and he's like, you're caller number 10. And I was like, sweet. You know, and then they got my name and yeah, said, pick them up at the box office. Oh, yeah. I can't remember the one concert that I won calling into the current. It's it's I hopefully it's not that forgettable. (laughs) You know, what was it that I won? But I could remember people were like, Jesse, was that you that was on The Current? I was like, yeah, it was. I won those tickets. They're like, oh, that's sweet. I heard you. <laughs> oh, Ben, uh, by the way, we are on the record here, a music podcast with Ben and Jesse. And I am Jesse here in Minneapolis. Ben, you are there in Chicago. We uh, we went to that concert in uh, Minneapolis here at Target Field, right? Yeah, we did. Again, the only time I'd ever in my life to this day won anything for calling into a radio station. Yeah. I still can't think of that show that I that I won the tickets on. I can't. I seriously, I I, I no clue who the hell it was. <laughs> I, I can't imagine it was anything like Pokey Lafarge or anything that, I think it was just one of those that I've heard them on current, and it's like, I had to just call in just to try. And I just pulled into a furniture dealer and at work, and I just pulled out my phone, called, boom, won. Yeah, there was always a trick to like calling in to winning, you know, obviously calling during the mornings was a lot harder because there's a lot more people listening to the radio uh, when, you know, they're driving to work or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the strategy that I found got me close at least was 
like after they say like caller number 10 wait like a couple beats just like a a few seconds and then call you know because a lot of people call right away and those are callers one through nine you know you, you can't be the first one so it was like they'd be like and call us and good luck and then i'd wait like three two one and then i'd call Mm-hmm. And that's that's how I won that one time. I always remember, like, whenever I tried to do it, I would always like, okay, I know I want these tickets, and I'm gonna wait for this song. I know the song's gonna end like, like this moment, and then you kind of like wait, 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 and then you you just call right when they say it. Yep. So yeah, I always failed at those. <laughs> there was one time that I was like the first caller because I called in, and they were like, "You're calling number one. Thanks for calling," and then hung up. <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> I was oh, so proud gosh. of myself because I was like, fuck, I'm going to win these tickets. And then it was like, nope, your caller won. It's like, god damn it. <laughs> well, speaking of concerts, you, uh, this week in music, you went to a concert last night, which made me very jealous because both artists that you saw are uh, pretty, I'm a pretty big fan of. Yeah, for my week in music last night, I got to see Stone Temple Pilots and Rival Sons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Rival Sons is one of if Rival Sons is probably my favorite band going right now. Mm-hmm. So I was super jacked to see them. Um, Stone Temple Pilots has always been one of those bands that I've definitely listened to. It's been a while since I really got into them, but you know, I knew a bunch of songs going into it. So I was pretty excited to see Stone Temple Pilots too. Um, when we got to the show, there it was definitely an older crowd. You know. Stone mm-hmm. Temple Pilots are big, you know, 25 years ago now, you know, so all those people who were 25, 30 years old are now in their 50s. So there's a lot of people in their 50s. Not that that was a problem, but oh. the the crowd was there more for Stone Temple Pilots than they were for Rival Sons. So that was, you know, kind of a bummer. I mean, people are still cheering on Rival Sons and way into them, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it felt more like a Stone Temple Pilot show. Then it did a Rival Sun show. So I think that knocked it down a peg. And then, like I was talking to you before we started recording, um, my buddy Nick, who's the drummer in our band, works for this company called Cameo. And that's hashtag not a sponsor. Um, (laughs) And Cameo is basically this app where you can pay, like, to have a celebrity give you or someone a shout out. So it's like, oh, I want to have. Neil Diamond wish Jesse a happy birthday, you know, and so then you pay and then Neil would record like a video and say like, hey, Jesse, like heard it's your birthday, you know, something like that. So like that's kind of the point of the app. His job is to like get celebrities or people that are notable to be part of this platform. Is that a possibility to happen by chance? <laughs> For I Jesse? I, I, I don't know if Neil Diamond's on the platform. For some reason, that was the first name that popped into my head. Well, I do Well, I do appreciate his 1974 chest hair. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. All right. Well, we can make it happen. Um, so anyway, he had reached out to Mike Miley, the drummer of Rival Sons, um, to get him, you know, to talk to him about joining this app. And he ends up talking with him back and forth, and he gets invited to meet up with him prior to the show. So he was backstage or on the tour bus with Mike. And while he was back there talking with them, uh, Scott Holiday, the guitar player, walked onto the bus. And Nick oh, yeah. um, tried to introduce himself, stick his hand out or whatever. And Scott was like, no, 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 like, not not right now. Um, you know, and I, when he was telling me this story, I'm like, he's not that big of a dick, is he? Like, why did he, you know, like, I thought he was being like, I'm in the zone, like, I don't know you, don't fucking talk to me. But it turns out Scott was super sick and, like, didn't want to touch him because he didn't want to get Nick sick. So Scott, super sick, had to play a show that night. And so it was one of those things I probably wouldn't have noticed had I not been told prior, but... You know, having heard that, it was like, I could kind of tell, like, Scott just seemed, like, a little tired, maybe, you know, kind of a, a half step slower on on some of his soloing and things and kind of played in the pocket. So, you know, it wasn't his best show. Not that that his fault, you know, people get mm-hmm. sick and that happens. So props to him to even going out there and performing for, I think they played probably about an hour or so. That's good. You know, for doing th- anything when you're sick sucks. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Why didn't you ask him to uh, take a seat and then you just fill in for him? I mean, I would have. I, I had the bench warm and I was ready to jump in. You didn't happen to you didn't happen to have a tall person in front of you so that he couldn't see you raising your hand. Um, no tall people this time, which was kind of nice. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. So the the show was still pretty good. Jay also sounded a little sick. His voice sounded a little rough. Mm-hmm. Also, understandably, I mean, these guys have been touring now since what? I saw him in March. And I saw and them they, in April, so they've been doing it probably easily since February, don't you think? Probably, you know, so they've been basically touring nonstop. I know they had a little break between their tour and then this one with Stone Temple Pilots, but, mm-hmm. you know, that much time on the road, that adds up. Yeah, they're, um, I was looking up where they were going next, and it looks like in, you know, like mid-November, I think they're going overseas in Europe and stuff, so... They're going to be traveling quite a bit here, and I think you might have saw almost the end of their, their this next leg with Stone Temple, actually. Yeah, that's kind of overseas. that's kind of the vibe that I got. It seemed like it was winding down. I haven't looked at the tour dates or anything of what's coming or how many shows they have left, but it mm-hmm. kind of seemed like, you know, it seemed like they were trying to give it everything they had left in the tank, you know, for yeah. these last few shows before they could get a little bit of time off. So let me ask you, because obviously this is kind of like a, a, a what I would say um, is a power duo going on, going out and touring, and obviously Rival Sons is the opening act. When we're talking about concerts, and you usually go, um, you know, to see all three acts, or you just go to the, see the main one, and you always usually, if you go to see all three, it's very thin in the beginning and it gets much crowded. Was there a lot more people to see Rival Sons for an opening act than you normally do? The the arena was pretty much full, or the venue was pretty much full by the time Rival Sons had started. Okay. As far as I could tell. I mean, we kind of, we got off to the side and got up front, so I, could, I didn't see, like, how many people were behind us or came in, but it seemed like when Rival Sons started, pretty much everyone was there. You know, okay, I think it was billed as, like, a co-headlining show, so mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think Rival Sons was viewed too much as an opener even though, you know, technically someone has to open prior to Stone Temple Pilots or the last band. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm sure there was some people who came in, but by this time it was already, you know, the show started at 7. They had a opening band before Rival Sons. You know, so this point is 8, 8.30 when they played. So, you know, I think most people were ready to get in there by that point anyway. Speaking of that powerhead, uh, you know, that, that double header kind of thing. Remember when on the Joe Rogan uh, Black Keys uh, podcast that I sent you and they were talking about Lil Wayne, was it? That yeah. they would open for? Yeah, yeah Lil <laughs> he Wayne. He was just a nut. <laughs> yeah, they talked about Lil Wayne and the Black Keys, uh, Lil Wayne and Blink-182. Just kind of a weird combo. Yeah, it's just, it is kind of weird when you're like, oh, wow, I did that at a festival. <laughs> yeah, to me that... Something like that kind of seems like a money grab. Like, you know, Lil Wayne and Blink-182 were popular kind of around the same time. Lil Wayne, Blink-182 definitely peaked before Lil Wayne did. Oh, but, definitely. you know, I think those two bands together appeal to a certain type of music audience that isn't us. Mm-hmm. You know, it appeals to people who are music pop fans, pop music fans. You know, it's like, oh, cool, Blink-182 and Lil Wayne, like, I like their popular stuff. You know, I don't think people are going to see them, you know, because they're diehard. I mean, there's definitely yeah. diehard Blink-182 fans, but ever since they came out with, um, what was it? God song? bless their souls. <laughs> miss You, um, I Miss You, do do yeah, that song. Like, that was kind of the end for me for Blink-182. I hated that song. I just thought it was trashy pop music. And so I kind of quit listening to Blink-182 after that and just kind of stopped. So, like, to me, I've never, like, if they come around, I'm not like, oh, I got to go see him. I'd see him if it fell into my lap. But I don't know. To me, a show like that is like, eh. Yeah, it's kind of like just fabricated, put together. You know, and I like hip-hop quite a bit, but it's like Lil Wayne stuff I've never really cared for. And Blink-182 I would care less for. Um, Mm. Growing up in that time, I was quite a – I was – like an older teenager and I was kind of, you know, just discovering uh, like classic rock, you know, just more of that and kind of like understand, trying to understand that stuff. For where sure. A lot of that Blink-82 didn't really sound good to me as compared to like, 
you know, it sounded like it wanted to be like a, a popular Green Day, and it's like, yeah, Green Day was awesome when I was a child, you know, and it's like Blink-182, you're just trying to rip them off and make it a little more poppy, and it's just like, yeah, you're not working. Yeah. yeah so it would be they, horrible, and that's, I, I'd only want to see the Black Keys. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely part of that, like, new wave punk scene, kind of kicked off by Green Day and Blink-182 thereafter, some 41, you know, and yeah. then that kind of led to a whole chasm of that pop punk style, you know, hundreds of bands, Newfound Glory, whatever, you can name a bunch that kind of fell in right after that. And that that style of music just never really clicked with me. So like I never really got into that scene anyway. I think kind of like you, it's just like, eh, you know, it, there was other music that I was into. Yeah, definitely. It, it I wasn't searching out that stuff and it never really hit me. Thank God. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of of shows, we're here today to talk a little bit about some of our favorite concerts, or at least our favorite concert. Um, it's so hard to pick one, you know. There's so very I mean, tough. Yep. How how many shows, just off the top of your head, do you think you've seen? Period. Um, just period. Yeah. Now are we, are we also talking like choir shows and my nieces like dance shows? No, no I would kidding. say just like <laughs> concert tickets you've paid for. You know, as good as your niece's choir concert might be, I probably wouldn't count it in this I, list. I did pay for that ticket though. My my sister in law was not nice to me. Uh, well, still, <laughs> you know, if you want to count it, fine. Go uh, ahead. We'll 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 cut out all the all the kids stuff. That'll be fine. No, um, I gotta admit that's a good question. I haven't thought of it. You know, um, the last two years until this year, I've definitely hit a slump in going to shows. So my numbers are a little bit askew. But I want to mm-hmm. say I have easily averaged um, easily averaged twelve shows the last ten years of my life. So I do want to say I've probably put on a probably good hundred shows just in the last ten years of my life moving down here. Yeah. And then I can tell you I've gone to um, the Blues Festival in Duluth, Minnesota almost every year if uh, we weren't listening on my mom's uh, deck at the time in downtown Duluth. And then my very, very first concert was Tom Petty and uh, George Thorogood. So it goes back to when I was about, uh, what was I, maybe about 12. And it was, um, that's kind of like what I remember and what kickstarted it all. So mm. if I had to guess, I'd probably put it in the 120 range. Okay, maybe that's, that's that's a good guess. I was I was thinking, I was trying to decide in my head: Have I seen a hundred shows? And I'm probably around that. I don't know. Also, what do you count festivals? You know, like I've been to Bonnaroo four or five times now. You know, is that one show? But you know, each day you see three or four bands. So do I count one of those as each show? You know, so that could right there be 20 or 30 shows but you know see that brings up a really good question that I, I and I agree with you because like I went to rock fest like way back in the day and we stayed for I think three of the four days so is it just the whole festival or does each day count or does each 45 minute really count I, I think that's a very good question and it, it determines one of my main things like I think you're more of a festival person than I am and I don't like them just because of those short little mini things, but if you are going to include those, I think they are separate shows. I would argue yeah. that each individual artist that you see is a separate show. Because you, you can go away and enjoy yourself at the camp and then come back. I mean, yeah, there's. I would say each one of those would be a separate show. Right, because they perform 45, 60 minutes. You know, that's a, that's a set. So I would say each one of those is a show. I, yeah. Probably at least 100 then for me. You know, minus not even counting festivals, going to, you know, there was a while for sure where I was probably pacing one concert a month or so. Mm-hmm. That's definitely slowed down in the last year, but I'm hoping to pick that up more. You know, having moved to Chicago and it there was a lot just kind of getting myself reestablished. So I didn't have a lot of time and money because I took some time off mm-hmm. and then kind of have been transitioning to try to focus on music full-time um you know so i haven't had a lot of extra money to throw at concerts so i've definitely declined a little bit this last year but um i've got some good income and kind of everything situated so i'm really hoping to ramp up 
the number of concerts I go to over the next year. And I apologize for making you send me all those deep dish pizzas from Chicago um, on your off time. Yeah, that's like a full-time job, dude. (laughs) We need to talk about that off the air. Well, I appreciate the dry ice that comes with it, so thank you. So, how many shows do you think we've seen together? Oh my lord, Ben. Um, Well, I'll tell you what. um, I, I remember the very first one we went to. And it's actually on my list of like my top fives that I had put on there. But I want to say, how many do you think we've been to? I want to say about 12. Do you think that's about right? I'd say now, it's more. Now, it's, now that you got me thinking, what was the Palomino um, uh, Festival, Festival in Shakopee? Yeah, the we were, Trampled we, by Turtles one. Yep. So we saw um, quite a few different artists that day. So I would probably up it then to, I would say we're about like 16, 18 range. Do you I, think? I think it might still be higher than that. I don't know. I feel like we've been to a lot of shows. Maybe not. I Maybe around 20. Yeah. You know, because we've gone to how many Temples concerts, how many Pokey Lafarge concerts. We've seen... Uh, Benny Booker. Benny Booker once together. That was at Palomino, wasn't it? Uh, I think we saw him again at First oh, Avenue. First Avenue. Yep, we saw him at First Avenue, too. Yep, I forgot about that. Um, then there was... Um, yeah, we who else have we, we saw Leon Bridges a couple times, Gary Clark Jr. a couple times. Uh, we've seen. Um, we were in uh, Greta Van Fleet. We yep. were at. <laughs> we we were there together. We went there together. Got separated and met up after the show. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that was not a good <laughs> night for me. That was. That was a oh, lot. Oh, where's Jesse? Jesse's gone. Well, that was a lot of marijuana. <laughs> we'll meet up with them later, I guess. <laughs> That's all that one went. <laughs> no, it was great. Yeah, that was that was a fun night. Um, who else have we seen multiple times? Cage the Elephant, we saw, we've seen twice. Um, yep. Yeah, quite a few. We've seen. You might be right. We we're in the twenties, I think. I would say twenties. If yeah, twenties for sure. I've seen every member of Pink Floyd too. It's the the the, the live ones right now. Nick Mason, David Gilmore, and Roger Waters. I've seen them all in concert, but not together. <laughs> awesome. So you had mentioned when you were thinking of some of your favorites that there was a couple on your list that we have seen together. So like you kind of had like a top five. Um, I'm curious what your couple that made the list that we saw together. So I'll, uh, I'll give you the numbers and how they rank even too. So what I said was my number five one is the very first one that we went to, which was December 7th, 2013, Pokey the Farge at uh, Cedar Cultural. That was a good show. You, me, and Kirsch. And one of the reasons that this one really stuck out, and like I said before we hit record, was when I was coming up with like the top five list before coming up with the number one, I, w- I came up with the fifth one, and I had about another five concerts that were in tandem with it. But the way that I looked at my list, what really stood out about this one compared to the other five that were going to be the fifth one on the top five was the fact that it was my very first time seeing them, but I also got to see Jack Clatt and then the Tillers were the other opening act. But I really fell in love with Jack Clatt because of his song. Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss you when I go. What a such a beautiful little ditty. Um, but that was the first night that I really found Pokey Lafarge. It was our first concert together. But Pokey Lafarge and Jack Clatt was. Uh, two two artists that I just fell in love with instantly. And then you and I went to apparently more than 20 shows after that. <laughs> but the other one what that made my top list was October 21st, 2016, Temples at Turf Club. Ah. Remember when Sam kissed my hand? I Sam, do remember that. Sam the drummer of the Temples, uh, or previous drummer. R.I.P. Uh, in peace, Sam. Yep. And he's not he's, dead, but he's not in the band. I love how he signs uh, um, his name. It's just Sam. It's, he, like, he has no last name. You yeah. Know, other I people ha- go for Cher and Madonna. He goes for Sam. I have that poster. It's actually right in front of my face. It's just to my right. So we saw Temples do a in-record store show. It was, if you pre-ordered the album, you got a ticket to see them live in the record shop so it was electric fetus so very small intimate show you know they played what a handful mm-hmm. of songs yeah what was it about four songs i think four or five songs and then 
they were signing autographs and everyone got a poster and you'd go out like we waited in line and then you'd go up and there was the band and they all signed and you know a little chit chat whatever whatever I actually asked them um, I, was, I asked them what kind of, what music they were listening to um, and I think it kind of threw them off I don't think they were expecting that kind of question <laughs> no definitely not it, it, no they definitely were not they were kind of like in their own zone because I asked I asked James uh, James Bagshaw the, the lead singer and main songwriter he was drinking a Bauhaus which is a Minneapolis brewery he was drinking a Bauhaus and I go hey how do you guys like Bauhaus you know, and they go, oh, they're a great band. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, yeah, there is a band named Bauhaus. Damn. So they didn't get my question either. Oh, funny. Um, anyway, so they all signed the poster. And the drummer, Sam, instead of signing it, just wrote SAM in all caps. <laughs> so I'm seeing four autographs on this poster to my right. All, you know, good looking autographs. And then there's just SAM written on this poster. <laughs> And it's actually elegantly spelt, or not spelt, but, you know, handwritten. It actually does read Sam, so at least you can read it, you know. Yeah, you know but, who it is. Yeah, but for me, what made that one, that one was number three on my list of top five. So number three, um, but what it was is, I mean, my interaction with the band there was pretty awesome uh, at the Turf Club, you know, because I remember that one girl, she goes, he kissed your hand. I would never wash that. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> no, I'm going to wash this, but it's just hilarious to say, but... It, it To me, every time that you and I have seen Temples, I really do feel like that. Just those four guys, they bring the most sound that I've really ever been to at a concert with just four people. Um, you know, most people like Leon Bridges brings a full sound when you listen to him. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it with like a really good band, like a good six, seven piece band. The Temples playing so many different sounds they just have a really good powerful sound that just comes out just the four of them and to me uh they play very very well um that that had to make it up there and you know that was the two that made in my list that was you and me interesting uh that wasn't at all what i had thought you were going to put on that list um i didn't create a full top five i have a number one but two that stick out to me are two Mm -hmm. that we saw together and one was Leon Bridges at First Avenue. Oh, that was a close one. Yeah, was was almost made my list. I believe that, so I'm looking at the dates here, September 28th, 2016. And that show was nonstop, jam-packed, so much fun. Everybody was dancing. Everybody was moving. The band was into it. Leon was into it. I mean, oh, it was just such a good show. Such a good show. And I remember after that show, I was like, that's the best show of 2016 that I've seen, you know, and I think it finished that year as like my favorite concert. So I think that's definitely a a top fiver for me. That was such a great show. It was wonderful. And actually my number one has that exact same feel, but it's a different artist, different situation, but I know exactly how you feel because I was there with you. It was amazing. Everybody was swaying and it felt like everybody was dancing almost in actual rhythm to every everything it was just absolutely beautiful and it was in sync it was just what a vibe the room was electric another one also from 2016 that you and i saw together so this must have been the second best concert i saw that year was gary clark jr at first avenue we saw him in april of 2016 and that was just Mm -hmm. after the story of sunny boy slim came out yeah and to see him at first avenue was like a dream come true because this guy has arena level talent and sound and skill and to see him in a venue the size of first avenue no bad sight lines the sound is amazing i mean he just blew everyone off their feet his guitar solos were extended and just played so long and he came out and he opened with bright lights and he played it that chopped and screwed like very slow version he came out and just like just extra God. slow and just hammered on the that Gretsch guitar that Gretsch guitar oh my god it was just so good and you know me I'm I'm a guitar first kind of guy so to see mm-hmm. him just do his thing in that kind of venue just blew my mind well you see here's 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 my only downfall with that one and it is in my blog about the six people you meet 
um, at a concert. Like we talked about on our earlier podcast, um, one of the six people was a drunk, annoying person that was trying to get it up in front to get closer to Gary Clark, and he was breathing on me and rubbing his pelvis in my ass. Remember that <laughs> drunk dude? In here, I was thinking it was Alex because Alex, our friend, my friend Alex, he's he's kind of a close person. And I was thinking, oh, man, he's getting a little too fresh here. But it wasn't him because I could see him and you to my left. So I'm like, who is this prick? <laughs> but that was the reason I probably, I kind of forget that one. I really like the Palace Theater one. But I do remember the way that Gary Clark walked out with that fog and the blue light and his signature hat. Oh, mm. gosh, that was, it was just like, man, this is like a true like blues legend coming out of the fog, you know? <laughs> my... Um, one of my friends who came with us to that show, Jake, also um, kind of made the list of people at the concert, except this was the one that we always we gave the pass to because we had smoked and it was at some point in the show kind of early on. He's like, I got to step out like I got to go off to the side because he was just a little too high. We we had some drinks. We smoked a little bit and he's like, I got to leave. So he just went off to the back, kind of hung out where there was less people you know, and, and did his own thing, and we met up afterwards. Yeah, I think that was the night he helped give me a ride home, so I, I'm, I'm glad he was good at the end. That was very right. nice. You know, yeah. Glad, I'm, I was happy. <laughs> yeah, getting a ride home is always a plus. Yeah. <laughs> so what else? Um, we covered two. What else do you got on your list, the other two that's not your top? Well, you know, that's a that's a good question. So number four was my my time my very first time and this is kind of a uh, a theme throughout my my top five, if you were to look at it all. Benjamin Booker at Turf Club, September 29th, two thousand fourteen. It was just him and those and those two guys. <laughs> it was Benji Booker and the two white guys that yeah, was playing bass and drums. Yep. And it was a beautiful three piece. And just like I talked about temples, about you know exerting like how much you know power they put out and how mm-hmm. much uh, how much they put out for being just four of them. As you know, these three. These three guys rock and rolled, and they put out a lot of noise and a lot of energy. And uh, Benji Booker's voice is such was such raw back then. It was so really good. This, this show was fantastic. Um, they were their own roadies, basically, so they packed up their own instruments. Oh, yeah. And then Alex and I, who I went with, yep. um, we left, and we saw Benji, Book, Benji Booker out there smoking, and we kind of like said hi and you know said how the travels, and Alex was like, hey, can I get a picture? I took a picture of him and uh, Benjamin Booker, so Alex has a picture of him and Benjamin Booker, when Benjamin Booker was so new to the scene, you know? Cause that's all the way back in 2014. He was just wow. starting the tour, you know. Wow. So then I would say my number two of all time. And this one's a classic. This one has nothing to do with hometown, you know, like hometown anything, but Prince at the XL Energy, June 16th, 2004. This was a fantastic concert. He, the setting was. You know, first we, we arrived in a limo. My uncle had a friend that was driving limo, and he said, hey, I'll give you guys a ride. So we, we had champagne walking in. You know, I'm 20, but they're giving me champagne. I'm ready to, you know, so it's great. We pull up in a limo at the XL. We walk in. We get to the stage. We can pretty much see right where Prince mainly faces. Mm-hmm. And so he was dynamite. It was a plus sign. So it wasn't like his logo. It was just a plus sign that yep. I recall, that I recall. Um, but... Uh, he bounced from corner to corner, but mainly was like kind of in front of us here. And just the the band was hot. The band was hot all the way through. Well, then Prince leaves the stage. They do a 15-minute jam without Prince. Kills. They all leave. And then all of a sudden, you hear just this little, little voice and the little guitar. And all of a sudden, right from in the middle of the plus sign is Prince doing nothing but acoustics. And from what I remember, I think it was Little Red Corvette, uh, Raspberry Beret, and Sweet Thing, I think he did. And then he jumped to a piano. It was just a great one. And this is also one that were, was kind of like my very first adult, and I did that with quotes, quotes adult show with my father. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it, was, it was kind of one of those memorable ones where it's like, you know, my dad and I grew up, we weren't the biggest Prince fans other than like his, his really good hits. Sure. And a lot of his new stuff that was coming out when I was a teenager... 
didn't make sense to me because I was still trying to figure out music and kind of shit like that. Mm. But when I saw him live and I saw the musicianship that and the seriousness that he showed on stage, mm-hmm. I fell in love with him. Uh, yep. I think he is one of those best ones. And so normally I've always said he's my number one, but my number one has a different little feel than what this Prince one does. But this Prince one holds a lot more memories just because it's Uda's also a long time since I saw it. So it's a little more sentimental for sure. But I, I think he, he was a master on stage. Definitely. You know, it's it's interesting what goes into some of those reasons why a concert is your favorite. And I think it kind of goes back to our topic about, um, you know, what makes music good or, you know, why, why do you like music or what does it do for you? Mm-hmm. You know, there's often more than just the music performance itself you know there there's a combination of the energy of the atmosphere you know are is everyone there there to have a good time like that leon bridges show everyone who was there was pumped to be there you know it wasn't a bunch of half-hearted fans or you know oh sure i'll go it was people who wanted to be there that makes a difference the people who you're with you know there's definitely a lot of shows that i've seen with friends or family um, that stick out in my mind is like I'm gonna remember this partly because I was with these people, you know. That's another reason. Like I've seen Rush with my dad a couple times, and Rush is a phenomenal band, you know, first and foremost. And then you know to see him with a parent, you know, and he was the one who got me into a lot of music, you know. So mm-hmm. like those moments are extra special, you know. So remembering those of like, yeah, those were great shows. And then on top of that, like that was a really good time that I got to spend with my dad or my brother or whoever, you know, seeing Foo Fighters, Tom Petty, you know, there's a lot of shows like that that I've seen or being at Bonnaroo, seeing Pearl Jam, seeing Dead and Company. I mean, hundreds of bands that come through there, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. That's in addition to the performance, you know, the performance is great and they bring it and blow everyone away. But there's also an aspect of how's the crowd, how's the people you're with, you know, what kind of state are you in, you know, and when all those things come together to make the perfect storm, that's when you end up sometimes finding those top shows. Oh, definitely. I, it's, it's about who you're with. I think sometimes is absolutely a wonderful thing because just like we said in that one podcast about six people you meet, you, you you usually see like one person in the audience who just doesn't like being there Mm -hmm. and it kind of breaks that mojo just it really does so you know and that's and that's where our our two different lines about the gary clark kind of exactly show is that woo we both have different perspectives about that like i see what you're talking about and i wanted to enjoy that but there was just this dick right behind me and i really think out of the out of our all of our concerts that we went to normally you'd kind of get like more socially molested this one i was getting socially molested on this one and i think it was like the first time i'm like man i don't like this and i can see why ben doesn't like it (laughs) i know so before we get to our number ones what uh we posed this question out on reddit did we not and we got some responses is there anything that was really really good to share that they shared out there so i posted this same question that you and I are talking about now. So what's your favorite concert that you've ever seen live and why? And we, I put this out there and I, I wanted to see what other people said, you know, so we could kind of talk about that on the podcast. Holy shit, dude. I, there's not a single same response on this thread. Over <laughs> 200 people commented on this thing. I think there's like two or almost 300 comments total. Yeah. But well, it doesn't surprise thing. me because even even when you and I, I mean, you just said we probably have gone to maybe twenty, thirty concerts together, and our top fives are going to be completely different. Like even top thirty is going to be different, you know? Right. I tried to I tried to go through every response or at least skim through every response, and there was nothing that I was trying to you know I was trying to like find patterns and find things that there really wasn't a lot that any of these responses had in common there was tons of bands i'd never heard of you know it's amazing what everyone's into um you know like here here's one that i'm reading right now um so this person named three that was also very common very few people could name just one show and i mean how can you you know it's like a favorite child i would assume Yep. Well, it was just like me and like when we said this topic i'm like i gotta come up with top five and then you know right so i did right um, you know, so here's three bands that this person listed. Um, 
Godspeed You, Black Emperor. I think that's one band. Machine Girl and Mount Erie. No idea who any of those are. Machine Girl. That sounds kind of interesting. You know, but it, it's it's cool like that there's so many bands out there and someone's favorite show, you know, could be a band that you've never heard of. No, oh, and that's the best part. I mean, that's, you know, that's why I picked Pokey Lafarge, you know, for the number five slot. It's because, like, I never, I never saw all three of those acts and Jack Clatt and Pokey Lafarge are still part of my part of my uh, equilibrium almost because I pop them on as often as I can and I'm sure many of those people that respond on Reddit would do the exact same thing you know they're Mm -hmm. just so they're just so in tune with them yep one response that I I liked a lot was by Automator 3000 and uh, this person had listed three different ones um, kind of for three different categories which was kind of cool broke them down so the first category was most unique and this was Dan Deacon at Rock the Garden, actually, in 2013. What? Rock the Garden in Minneapolis. So this was a cool story. I'd never heard this before. Um, so he, he says, Normally a forecast of stormy weather doesn't bode well for an outdoor music festival. As the rain built up following the opening of the gates, Dan hastily covered his equipment with tarps. But the storms kept building, and it was pretty clear that there was no way this was going to happen. So a few festival volunteers helped Dan carry his table of gear into the underground parking garage slash severe weather shelter. And what was produced was an amazing dance party in a garage with people lined up in the parking tiers above and clustered around Dan the man. So, and not to be outdone in the uniqueness category that day, Lowe took the stage to play a single drone song, which you either loved because you loved Lowe's early drone work or you hated it because you didn't show up for a half hour of drone. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Like most unique. Like, yeah, let's take this shitty situation and let's just turn it into a dance party in the garage. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. So that, that kind of brings up a, a really good question. Like, have you ever been caught in a, like a lot of weather going to concerts? Like, obviously, more more likely festivals, kind of like Rock the Garden or um, what's the one that you see in Nashville? Bonnaroo. There was. Um, not a lot. One year at Bonnaroo, though, um, there was uh, some thunderstorms that rolled through. I think this was Saturday evening. It was the night that Pearl Jam played, and um, the storms were bad enough. I think basically anytime lightning happens, you know, they have to kind of shut things down. So mm-hmm. they had called for an evacuation of the festival ground itself and told everyone to go back to their campsites. Well, it wasn't, you know, super enforceable. And, you know, they tried as best they could. And it was basically like, if you stay here, you stay here at your own risk. And I was with a few people and we decided to stay in the festival grounds and not go back to our campsite. And we hung out there and, you know, no one was playing like we were waiting at the time to see um, the Claypool Lennon Delirium. Ooh. And nice. um, we ended up not seeing him because like everything got pushed back and it got turned around and we wanted to try to get into the pit for Pearl Jam, which didn't end up happening because there's a lot of dicks who cut in line, but that's a different story. Um, but we hung out there and things just got weird. You know, like the vibe, the air was really weird. It was humid. It was thick. It was, you know, people were just kind of weird and having fun. I, I can't even really describe it. Just like it was just weird, just a weird vibe, but a lot of fun. Was it like Agent Orange uh, dropping in on you? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know what happened, but I think, you know, people were just kind of like running around, frolicking, dancing, you know, just whatever, whatever you could find. Oh, nice. No, that I've never been really caught in in weather before. Maybe us at Palomino Festival. I think that one was just a little bit light rain, though, so it wasn't bad, Mm -hmm. but I remember it being muddy. Um, we were up front for Benji Booker, so I didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so that was really good. I, I thought that wasn't too bad. But, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever really been caught in weather too much. Um, just like I said earlier, I'm not that much in the festivals as much as you are, but I don't mind them from time to time if there's a great lineup. But um, is there any others on Reddit that you want to read before we get to our number ones, Ben? Um, well, just to finish this one out. So the other category is most awesome fan vibe, and that was Ween. Uh, in 2004 in Seattle 
and he said this was a free show for the fans in collaboration with KEXP, which is kind of like their 89.3 The Current out there. Yes. Yeah, I love that one. I saw yeah. a Jenny Lewis one on there just recently. And it was yeah, I've, I've seen a bunch of their YouTube. They put they do like the live in-studio stuff, and I've seen a lot of those videos get put up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, when the day hit, you mashed your keyboard to get a free ticket. So pretty much the entire crowd were folks from the now-defunct Ween Forum. Just a blistering, good, long set surrounded by peeps you'd been bantering with online for years in a cool little club. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. You know, va- fan vibe is something we have been talking about a lot in this show. Is mm-hmm. you know that makes a huge difference. Is when everyone else who's there is in for the show, and that's why like the Rival Sons Stone Temple Pilot show I saw last night was probably my least favorite Rival Sons show I've seen. Partly because of the fan vibe you know more people were there for stone temple pilots that's not to say they were disrespectful to rival sons because they were getting lots of cheers too but you know it wasn't that's not what that show was and then the last category was uh most awe-inspiring and this was sleepy time gorilla museum museum uh wow wow hall in eugene oregon um he says, I think this was sometime around 2003. Brutal, brutal heavy metal with costumes and a freaky dancer crawling through the audience, jaw-dropping. Damn. I have no clue what he said, what you announced there at the beginning of that one, but it's it sounds pretty fucking cool. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, that goes back. I, I don't know who that band is, but, you know, I think that's awesome that someone can see a show from a band that you've never heard of and it's their favorite no. show. Now, have you ever come across that before? Where you've seen a band um, that you may have come across just whether in a bar or actually they were openers for somebody, and then all of a sudden came real big? I definitely have. Um, I'm trying to think of who that could be. Do you, uh, well, we did see Margot Price. Before, you know, yep. when she started out, so that's kind of like a close one. But my biggest one is I used to see Trampled by Turtles in Duluth before they they hit it all big. Yeah, I think Margot Price is a great example of you know that was someone I don't think you know we had kind of heard her name a few times, but didn't really know who she was. And we saw her and was blown away. And mm-hmm. I mean, the rest writes itself because now she's really blowing up and getting very popular. Yeah, it was that tour, I think, that really boosted her extra on that one because I think she became, like, more closer headline. Like, she came closer to Pokey, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when I was younger, so high school age, um, there was a slew of bands that came through Rochester um, at the time. So we were, my dad was all pumped to take us to these shows because it was live music coming through town. And it was bands like Puddle of Mud and Stained, uh, Shine Down. So bands like that. And um, I saw the band Hailstorm like four times. Each time is the opener, and I think that's a good example of one. That's the I've never seen them like as a headliner. I've only seen them as an opening act. But they were one of those bands. They blew me away the first time I saw them live because um, I don't know what they still do. I haven't really listened to them in a while. But Lizzie Hale, the lead singer, would come out on stage by herself and just start singing this song. Um, I think it's called It's Not You. Um, it's basically I'm in love with someone and it's not you. And she does this acapella by herself, um, just belts this, I'm in love, you know, just goes on and on and like does this for like a minute or two. And then it just goes, and it's not you. And then the rest of the band comes in. And it was like, oh my God, Damn. this is amazing. You know, so that was one I was like just blown away by one of the openers and became a fan of them after that damn so can you say uh it's been a while since you last seen stained (laughs) i hate that song (laughs) it's been a while since i I caught that i caught that on the radio actually earlier this week i can't believe it's actually being getting airtime (laughs) everything i can't remember (laughs) oh Maybe I'll listen to some stain tonight. It's been a while. Yeah, I bet you you'll find some stains in your shorts after listening to it because it's, I, yeah, no, I don't like those games. <laughs> uh, so, um, I think we're it's time to get to the big main event. Ding, ding, ding. Let's, Let's talk get about ready to rumble. your favorite show. 
All right, you want me to go first on this one, or do you want to take the spotlight? Should I go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll be the rival sons of the show tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, no, uh, so August 4th, 2015 uh, is the very first time I saw this artist. I was seeing it with a friend of mine, John Lavander, who had never heard of this artist, and I played him one song, um, and he's like, yeah, I'll go with you, I'll go with you. That sounds great, and I always love the Cedar, and it's... The Cedar Cultural Center is absolutely wonderful to see a show in. It's what, what did you say, Ben? Is that about four hundred people? Yeah, I don't I'd even know if it's that big. I'd say a couple hundred for sure. I yep. mean, you know, definitely. But so intimate settings. Normally, for some shows, they have chairs, but luckily there was no. It was all standing, so it was absolutely wonderful. Um, it was a full crowd in such a small room. This artist, um, he he's a fantastic. Artist, wonderful guitarist, and he, him and his him and his band bring such a great energy. Bombino. The very first time I saw Bombino was one of those experiences where it was like Leon Bridges, but in a smaller setting. Mm-hmm. Bombino, who's from I can't remember where he is. It's like Tegna. Um, it's a West or East African country, but um, like Keith Richards. Um, he played with Keith Richards, I think Eric Clapton, and then even Dan Auerbach produced um, his one major album that was like the big hit over here. I can't remember it and I can't pronounce it, so I'm just going to leave it as is <laughs> and just kind of go with Bombino's uh, Yellow album. I mean, he was fantastic on stage. His band was so lively. They came out and did like another like 15 minute encore, um, and the energy. It was like, it's not like people were dancing, but it was kind of like they leaned in, like they wanted to be a part of that world that Bombino was giving. Mm-hmm. And that really, really, so it's 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 having my friend there who never heard it, experienced it, but fell in love with Bombino. It's me who loved Bombino's music, but then fell in love with his stage presence and the energy that they brought. It was the crowd and it was the band. I mean, everything worked that night. Everything was meant to be. Um, at least in my world, it was so wonderful. And that really does overtake the Prince one just a little bit just because it was such a smaller unknown and it worked fantastic. Wow. That's cool. That's not a show that I expected you to to say. I know, right? You know, I, I would have thought maybe like a Paul McCartney or... You know, being the big Beatles fan that you are, or you know, I thought it might be some type of show like that. So this is, you know, interesting to hear that perspective on on where and why. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, I have seen McCartney twice, and so what the cool part was, Prince in two thousand four, and then McCartney in two thousand five of October, and McCartney and Prince were my top two concerts, but because McCartney ended up playing one of my one of a, a surprise amount of songs but for no one off of revolver i always love that song and i was very surprised that he played it so it it does play a big part it was in that battle with pokey lafarge to make my top five but i was kind of noticing you know just how i am interesting did you see paul mccartney at target field in uh, what would, I don't know, 20... 2014. Nope, was that 2014? Yep, I went to Poor House to get it, and um, it's a big bro bar that I definitely do not fit in, and uh, I literally, like, I went in there, and there was some sort of raffle, and apparently you had to sign up beforehand to get in the raffle, but the instructions that I saw, you know, they said, nope, uh, you had to sign up for some reason, so I got screwed out of that, but I walked around Target Field and listened for about an hour. It was pretty fun. Yep. I actually, but I worked it, that concert. That's right. That, I was just going to ask because uh, you were at that, but I couldn't remember if you were in it or if you were working. Yeah, I was I was working because I was an usher at Target Field for a while. And um, my boss gave me like a really sweet spot. I was on a balcony, um, you know, so basically instead of like having a section, I was like on a private balcony with like 10 people. And it was like, um, people from the University of Minnesota is like the president, the athletic director. So it was like mm-hmm. super tame, chill. So I basically got to stand there and watch the entire concert. And that was one. It was it was a thing of beauty. Just the whole performance, the show, the pyro, um, the band, everyone was so good. And 
you know, of course, the sing-along parts where, you know, it's a stadium of 40,000 people singing Hey Jude. Like, it it gives you goosebumps just list, just being a part of that. Just, ooh, makes you feel. Yeah. I tell you what, I mean, I, I, you, it'd be hard to find a, a bar or a setting of multiple people where you start playing Hey Jude and people don't sing along, you know. It's right, just one right. of those songs. And the setting that McCartney does just for the... Um, the, the stadium is fantastic and I do agree he is a fantastic showman and he does make my top 10 for sure but I, I tell you what I'm happy with my top 5 and my and my number 1 my, Bombino was a, such a surprise to me and it was such a beautiful night like if I had my friend John here he'd be saying the exact same thing he'd be like it was so magical it was one of those musical experiences that you you know, you want to be a part of every time, but mm-hmm. you know you can't get it. Mm-hmm. But it was so wonderful that night. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And so, Ben, what was your number one, son? The year was 2008. Ooh. Election season was in full swing. This, at the time, was one of the most pivotal elections upon us. This was the year Obama was going against McCain. So it was Obama's first election that he won. So And Sarah Palin, who could see Russia from her house. Exactly, Sarah <laughs> Palin. Um, this was after, you know, the eight rough years of George W. Mm-hmm. A guy a guy I'd like to get a beer with, but a guy I maybe wouldn't like to lead my country. Anyway. Um, Amen. It's 2008, and the Republican National Convention was in Minneapolis, or it was in St. Paul that year. Twin Cities. I think they were bouncing between the two. And this band announced two shows. They played, I think they played some other shows that year, but they announced two shows, one in Minneapolis and one in Denver during the Democratic National Convention. And this band was a band that I had started to get into because I was 17 at the time, going on 18, almost 18 years old. Um, you know, so at that age, you start to become aware of, of the world and what's going on. And you start to see some more of the injustice and in things that happen in the world. And, you know, there's some anger and some angst that come out. And a lot of times you attach yourself to bands that kind of help release some of that energy that you have built up and you know they they speak the things that you're feeling and also this band had at the time one of my favorite guitar players um so in 2008 september of 2008 i got to see rage against the machine damn i knew it at the target center in minneapolis and this show was killer killer it was electric the literally if well, obviously not literally, but if you would have lit a match, because I'm trying not to say literally for things that aren't literal, you know, I think we're kind of past that. That was two well, years ago. <laughs> that's very good English, yeah. <laughs> literally, um, it's two years ago. Literally two years ago. You you could have lit a lighter and the place would have exploded. That's how high the energy was. That's how electric this thing was. And they came out on stage. So the show starts and, you know, the lights cut out and then this siren kicks in like this raid siren you know in this the siren kicks on and there's a light and um the stage is dark and then all of a sudden you see four people in orange jumpsuits with black masks pulled over their heads escorted out onto the stage and they all four are lined up right next to each other just standing there and they stand there for like a minute or two with this siren blaring and then the texts come out and a guitar goes over the shoulder of one. Oh, that's Tom. A microphone gets handed to one. Oh, that's Zach. Oh, it's Brad. You know, it's so everyone. And then they all get placed at their, their positions. And then they played the first song, which was bomb track in those orange jumpsuits with the masks on. And the place was just, it erupted we were in the upper deck. I was with my dad and my brother. We were in the upper deck, um, closer to the back, but you know, probably, I guess if you were watching a basketball game, it would have been probably kind of near where like center court is. Um, you know, so we were kind of in there up high and 
where we were. Everyone was standing. Everyone was jumping. I mean, this place was just going nuts. So the energy was insane. The music was insane because Rage wasn't touring. They were any shows that they were doing at that time were random one-off shows. So if, if you saw them, is because you kind of got lucky that you were in the right place at the right time. Kind of like Radiohead almost. Yeah, and the, every song they played just had so much energy, and it was nonstop music the whole time. Um, he didn't even really stop to talk. Zach didn't even stop to talk until like the very end. Um, it, they played a couple songs or one song, and he said. Good evening, we're Rage Against the Machine from Los Angeles. And that was the only thing that he said up until the very end. And then he, he kind of went on like a five-minute monologue type thing of, you know, it's actually kind of inspiring. Um, one of the wo- sentences that he said was, um, when you leave here tonight, be peaceful, but don't be passive. And that one kind of stuck with me of like, be peaceful, be respectful, but don't let anyone, like he said, be mm-hmm. peaceful, but don't be passive. Don't let anyone put their hands on you. You know, that kind of thing. And that was kind of one of those like, oh, I get it. You know, be peaceful. And, you know, you want to go put that foot forward, but you got to stand up for yourself too and speak up for what you believe in. And, you know, so it was kind of a cool way to end the show, but it was nonstop from start to finish, just electric. And Tom Morello to one to this day is still one of my favorite guitar players of all time. So getting to see him at a time when, you know, I'd been playing guitar for, probably four or five years at that point you know so to see him live and it was just it was a great show and it's i think it's one that's probably always just going to be at the top you know for all those different reasons that came together no that's a concert that i'm very jealous of because my friend landon andrews was also at that um concert and we pulled it up on youtube so it is out there on youtube so if people want to watch it i I highly recommend yeah lots of clips up on youtube Yep, and I, I saw we luckily saw a full concert, but that was probably it was on YouTube about five years ago. So, but we watched it, and I was like enamored because I'm like I've always been a Rage fan, but that just put it over the top. That was a monster concert. They came out just rocking, man. And those orange suits that you're talking about, oh, so cool. Yeah, and I'm sure there's video of that on YouTube. Um, in fact, I just pulled it up right now. Rage Against Machine bomb track, Minneapolis, 2008. So you can see the whole video for yourself. No, that is a great number one, Ben. That is one of those that kind of brings another aspect that we didn't really cover, too. It kind of brings in, like, politics or, you know, that that kind of, like, morality part that they they always touch on, you know? Mm -hmm. I've always been a fan, and it's probably kind of started from this, of the intersection of music and politics and using music as a platform to discuss what's going on in the world you know whether that's political or something else I've always liked music as that sort of vessel you know to address good or bad in the world Um, you know so I think this kind of resonated with me for that reason and and kind of stuck with me to this day of why I've always kind of been drawn towards bands or artists who speak more than just you know love songs or or something generic Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's like one of those things. Um, I read George Carlin's biography, the the great comedian. Um, he once said that what he recognized with like the Buffalo Springfields and Bob Dylan's exactly. at that time was that they were projecting their ideas through their art, and that's what he went. So he made a different switch in the late '60s, and so he became more of a underground artist rather than that, you know, uh, the Indian sergeant kind of a person. Mm-hmm. He went a more underground. And that's what you get out of these beautiful artists, just like Rage, you know, that they just they just say what they've got to feel. And they are, you know, a little bit smart with it, and they, they make it into really good art, and the, the message is a little bit more clear and direct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, so now that we know you're number one, and this question came up to my mind, I was going to ask you earlier. So you've only seen McCartney the one time, right? Yes, that was the only time I saw him. Yep. So I've seen him now th- twice, and it made me think: Who is the one artist that you think you've seen the most? Do you do you have a, one on the top of your head that you know that you've seen the most? Hmm. I don't know that there's like by most. I don't know that I've seen any band more than three or four times. Um, oh, really? Nice. Yeah. So I. You know, I've seen Temples, what, three times, four times now? 
Um, Rival Sons I've seen four times. Mm-hmm. Um, Foo Fighters I've seen probably three times. Uh, there's got to be some band or artist that's I've seen more than that, but it's just not coming to mind. You know, Gary Clark I think I've seen three or four times. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anyone that's hit like the five mark for me yet. Really? Okay. I think I've seen Pokey five times, but okay. I know the number, and I'm going to see Temples for the fifth time. Okay. Um, but I've seen uh, Tom Petty seven times. Oh, wow. So I know I've seen Tom Petty the most, and uh, that was a pleasure. That guy that guy was fun to watch on stage, and his music was so good, you know? Oh, yeah, so good. I saw him one time. I'm sure you must have been at that same show if you've seen him seven times. It was... XL Energy Center, uh, 20, 2011? 11, maybe? Yeah, somewhere in yeah. there. 2010, 2012, 2011. maybe. Okay. Been somewhere in that range. I think I was still in college at the time. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was around that time. Nice. No, no, it, it, uh, I don't know when it was, but uh, he, he brought me a lot of joy. That guy was pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. He always had a good mood at the concert. I never had a really bad concert with him. Yeah. So it's it's one of those artists that I I always felt comfortable going and seeing, knowing that I would get a really good experience out of it. For sure. For sure. All right. So uh, is the needle lifting? Are we getting off the record? Almost. I, I think we've I think we've hit this one quite a bit. Wow. All right, folks. Well, this is the end of the show. We are going to go off the record. Ben, you have a wonderful week. And you as well. Oh, I will. Temples. Coming at my door, hopefully tomorrow. Woo-hoo. Off the record. Goodbye. Bye.